with Custodians of the Planet. I'm Deniz Yıldız. Custodians of the Planet brings consciousness to planetary challenges and looks at different perspectives regarding the tensions and harmony of human activities in a changing climate. Today is April 22nd, Earth Day. Happy Earth Day, everyone! In the late 60s, the US was struggling with oil spills in Santa Barbara, air pollution, and pesticides on the foods all around the US. All these conflicts gave birth to Earth Day. Nearly 50 years ago, in 1970, Earth Day has started thanks to Dennis Hayes and Senator Gaylord Nelson. Here is a snippet of Nelson's speech from 1970. The battle to restore a proper relationship between man and his environment, between man and other living creatures, will require a long, sustained political, moral, ethical, and financial commitment far beyond any commitment ever made by any society in the history of man. Are we able? Yes. Are we willing? That's the unanswered question. No need to mention what's been happening for the last six months in Australia and across the globe. Today, I wanted the 2020 Earth Day episode to be a one where we open ourselves to be vulnerable and tender. So let yourself feel whatever comes up and try to show some compassion. In this way, melancholia might turn into meaning. So just heads up, this is not an episode that will make you feel hopeful. And if you're not feeling for it, it's a good time to pause it. My guest today is Catherine Ingram. Catherine Ingram is an international Dharma teacher who has been leading Dharma dialogues for over 25 years. She has taught in the US as well as Europe and Australia. The Dharma approach encourages the intelligent use of awareness within one's personal life and in one's community. She has a wealth of experience organizing and directing institutions dedicated to meditation and self-inquiry, and more recently, human and animal rights. I've always found her talks very inspiring, and it's a really joy to have her on today. Catherine, welcome to Custodians of the Planet. Thank you, Denise. I want to talk about all kinds of things with you. <laughs> it is fascinating to see how you connected and combined the contemplative practice with working for social justice. I feel like we are in a race between consciousness and catastrophe. How do you see your work evolving with the times? Yeah, well, it's been a subject, that confluence you just mentioned, consciousness versus the catastrophes. 
a subject that has been interesting to me for a very long time. I was a journalist starting in 1982 to about 1994, specializing exactly in that consciousness and activism, consciousness and empathic movements. So I profiled and interviewed a lot of leaders of, of that era uh, who were heads of huge nonviolent movements, such as the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu and Arya Ratana, who was the Sri Lankan kind of Gandhi and uh, many, many, many types like that, many people like that. I feel that, I feel that we, to a great degree, have lost the battle, if you want to call it a battle. Mm-hmm. I, I am sorry to say, I've got to tell you the truth, uh, I think we're headed to extinction. And how fast we're going there, I don't know. Nobody could know that. But I think that that's where we're headed. And it's probably not very, very long. I I can explain this in many different ways. But of course, I wrote an essay called Facing Extinction, which I put up as a free link about a year and a few months ago. And it's had about a million downloads. And it's also probably been shared all over the place in printed versions, which I I hear on the grapevine about. And it struck a chord for a lot of people because it's it's a very long essay. It's, I think, 50,000 words, maybe more, which explains all the reasons why I think that we're headed that way. Of course, there's climate catastrophe, climate collapse. Every system is being poisoned, the air, the land, and the sea. And even though right now, during this coronavirus crisis, things are stopped and we're seeing, you know, blue skies in places that haven't seen blue skies in a very long time. People in northern India are seeing the Himalayas for the first time in 30 years. Mm -hmm. People in Beijing and places like that are seeing stars for the first time. You know, yes, that's fantastic. The earth is getting a breath and a breather from us. But as you well know, most of the world is just dying to get back to, you know, work and to the, you know, the, the pumping of the economy. And there's basically no way to pump up a so-called economy that relies on extraction of resources for 7.7 billion people and counting to just keep polluting and extracting resources from this beleaguered earth system. So yes, it can heal itself very quickly without us around, but we are still around. So there's that, there's the overpopulation crisis, there's the dying of the insects, there's the heat, which is going to very much diminish our capacity to grow food. I think drought and starvation is in our future. So these are the things I wrestle with and have wrestled with for many, many years. And I kept my mouth shut about it for the longest time, but finally I couldn't any longer. And I know that not, well, many, many people are not ready to hear this. They don't want to hear it. But I am saying it because I see that there are many who do want to have this conversation and who feel relief in this conversation. And... I think that this corona crisis is a kind of dress rehearsal for us in that we're having to see that we need to quickly pivot just to survive. 
And that's, I think, all that's left for us is if we could manage the coming collapse, the big one, this is a little one, Mm -hmm. the big one is waiting, and that's the climate crisis and all the concomitant problems that will come with that. If we could figure out a way to just manage it so that we eke out a little more time and perhaps are a little bit more socially fair throughout, that would be good. And if we could learn that from this crisis, that would be great. I don't have a whole lot of hope that that'll be how it goes, but but that would be the best case scenario in my way of seeing. And dear, I realized having looked at you on the brief uh, glimpse we just had on Zoom, that you're young and you're probably speaking to young people. And I, I know that this is just the worst possible kind of conversation. So I guess my main point is to get ready and to live your days and to understand what the priorities are and to love what you love very deeply. Nobody ever got a guarantee. No one in history ever got a guarantee for longevity. Now, some people got it, got, they got longevity, especially in recent generations. But, you know, life was always quite precarious. And I often speak about how one of our disadvantages in modern time is that we've been so spoiled especially in the rich countries. We've just been having a grand party and gulping resources and zipping around the world on airplanes and doing whatever we wanted and having no feeling of limits whatsoever. And nor did we worry about dying from some awful disease because most things that we might get, we could treat until later in, in, in age. And of course, there were accidents and things like that, things, you know, but, but really, we, people had an expectation of living a very long, full, rich life, full of adventure and having whatever you wanted almost. Those assumptions are becoming our, our um, cross to bear because we're confronted with how quite possibly that is certainly not going to be the case. So... <laughs> That's quite an opening <laughs> to your question, but <laughs> oh, <wow>. um, <laughs> yeah, I specialized a long time ago as a journalist looking at movements that I thought could help us redirect our dangerous ways, and I see no no happy signs that we have prevailed. We've lost ground. Every year, it's gotten progressively worse, exponentially worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me let me digest all the things yes, you said. Yes. Um, yes. I feel a sense of spiritual maturity from what you said. And to be honest with you, I'm not where you are at right now. But I can see a few years ago, I was in full denial. And I was like, yes, we can change things. And, you know, and within time, I started to accept it. Yes. And I think 
as human, we all have emotional problems to hold that degree of uncertainty or that um, that predicament. Yes. Mm. I think that's exactly right. Yes, it, this is the worst news ever. And, you know, probably in other times of history, like during the, the times of plague where, you know, so many people were dying all at once or any, any number of times of history, terrible wars and, and times when life was easily snuffed out. But still, even then, most people could dream about another place on earth that that wouldn't be happening, that the war wasn't everywhere and the plague wasn't everywhere. Um, but now we have nowhere to run. And so what are we going to, how are we going to face this? We have to face it, and you use the word, in acceptance. Mm. And, and that is, it's not easy. I, I'm not there all the time either. I, I, I realize sometimes that some part of me, almost like a child, is holding out and thinking, well, maybe something that we can't imagine gets into kind of magical thinking. But in the more realistic moments, which are the preponderance of the moments for me, because I've been living with this for so long, many, many years, I feel that I'm in a kind of preparation to die and to watch my world and my loved ones also go. And so this is, it's almost like you, you just sort of sped up the hospice problem you know, part. <laughs> I sometimes feel like I'm having the benefits of being in hospice without the disintegrated body. You know, I, I'm, I feel that I have the, the insights that you might have in hospice, which is what matters, what are the priorities, don't sweat the small stuff, what do you love, move your attention to that which you love in whatever time you have and be light on the earth, you know, be one of the angels on the earth and don't bother about the bad behavior you will see around you with fellow humans. Don't let it get you down. And there's no point too in all the blame about how we got here because we've been headed here a very long time to exactly where we're, we are now. Mm -hmm. we're, we've been headed as a species here for a very, very long time. You know. Yeah. When we look at the state of the world, where we are going, there's a grief and it has its ups and downs. I think during this grief, I'm in a creative phase. Um, yeah. I don't really find the doom and gloom attitude useful because it might lead people to do nothing, basically, because, oh, there's no point of doing that. But there is. I, I don't find that really... No. ...regenerative or, like, helpful. But yeah, we need to open our hearts and, you know, just acknowledge the grief, I guess.
we are experiencing this breakdown. But when we look at the currents of history, people experienced world wars and some of them went to war when they were 17, 18 years old or they experienced mm -hmm. really bad sufferings and pains. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, humans have endured incredible hardship pretty consistently. And and grief is a part of life even in the best of times. You know, mm. there's always losses here and there throughout a life. And we all are headed to, to one, you know, final chapter in, in the best of cases. So I, I totally hear you about that and about wanting to be helpful along the way, no matter what is coming down. Of course, you know, to base, to, there's going to be plenty of need in these next phases of the world. It's going to be plenty of need and plenty of desperation. And I think for, for one of the great advantages for someone coming to terms with this is that you process a lot such that you can be a much more, like I say, a shade tree. You can be a shade tree of shelter for a lot of people just coming into processing it and who are freaked out. And it's also an advantage to be processing this material while things are kind of holding together a bit, you know, while we still kind of get food and we have shelter and we have a, a system that more or less operates. So all of those things are, you know, propping up, up a certain level of comfortable life in which one can emotionally what's the word metabolize mm. this understanding yeah and i think one of the most important things becoming the kind of human being you know mm -hmm. because there is there's a constant evolution there's also an inner evolution too and there is still a potential for different kinds of friendships, relationships, and communities. And especially during these times, it's it really is time for recognizing how profoundly connected we are. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and how much we yearn for that uh, in a way we didn't even realize, you know, because you know, if you're just going about your day in the in the previous world the one that we used to live in a few months ago um you know you people you know you're out and about you're interacting and, and you don't realize you don't think of yourself necessarily as a social creature i i wouldn't have described myself as a social creature particularly but this is a lot of aloneness at this point <laughs> and um so yeah yeah, community is beautiful and necessary for 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 human life. We're we're social animals. Most of us, not everybody, but almost everyone. And especially in times of need, you know, there there has to be that co kind of cooperation. Yeah. The future doesn't look really bright, but we can still focus on the process instead of the outcome. And maybe I want to believe there are potential for 
virtuous cycles as opposed to vicious cycles we are in right now. I think almost like hacking the way of being a human, you know, <laughs> and by doing so, we might transform the way we are being together and we can we can bring up the best in us. I mean, yeah, I think we need to we need to envision things too. I mean, okay, things are going bad, but there are still possibilities to shift things. And we all have to find ways to positively contribute, you know? Everyone has to got to do their bits. Yeah. Yes, I agree that we should, like I said, still be angels on the earth, um, you know, be, be part of the, the goodness for our team. Um, what I feel um, about the hope of a shift of consciousness for humans is it doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter if every one of us turned into Jesus Christ tomorrow. It's not going to matter. <laughs> um, um, the heat is on its own, and it's going exponential out of our control. We don't control it any longer. It's going exponential. The ice is melting at phenomenal rates. And the, the consequent drought that the heat will bring will make it impossible to grow food for 7.7 billion people. There might be a few places that can grow food a little bit longer, closer to the poles, and everyone is gonna crowd in there, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we exceeded the carrying capacity. Yeah, we're way beyond carrying capacity now. Mm. And so I don't see a scenario whereby we can decide to live a different way Number one, I don't think we would, no matter how bad it gets. And number two, I don't think it would matter if we did. And so that's another level of acceptance. It's mm. sort of, you know, you have to go through, you have to jump through several kind of, you know. Um, that's a journey too, yeah. <laughs> yes, you know. Um, so the first one is, you have to jump over the one that thinks, okay, we can change our ways and fix this. And, you know, have to, you have to realize, okay, well, even if we grant that one, can it be fixed? And I don't think it can. I've been looking. I mean, I've been looking <laughs> for 30, 30 years or so. And I was, I'm a kind of natural investigator and I have scoured the you you had mentioned that i'd been involved in human and animal rights but i was for a very long time involved in environmental action movements and i i lived with one of the great environmental philanthropists for several years so everybody who was doing anything interesting would be at our dinner table hoping to get money <laughs> and um so i mean i lived in that world quite a long time and and very you know at a very interesting level of it it's been a, you know, an interest of mine for, for quite a long time. I don't see, I don't see any, I don't see any seaweed planning thing. I don't see any, you know, there's all kinds of green technologies that are going around. Uh, none of it can be done at scale. And the, on the other side of the equation, the destruction and the heat, that's going completely exponentially fast. 
Nobody can even keep up. One of the things that the scientists and many of the scientists I listen to are the ones who are considered really the front line of who, who has been right predicting this. But even they can't keep up. They can't. Their projections always fall short of how bad it is and how fast it's happening. So it, when you're just up against the data and you have to set aside your hopes and your wishful thinking and even harking back to other times in history when people solved all kinds of problems, that's because those were more or less human-based problems that could be solved by humans. But we're talking about a planetary system, a very complex natural system that we are not in control of. We've made a mess here, that's for sure, but we're not controlling the outcome now. So that's how I see it. And I'm, I mean, feel free not to use this podcast because it's incredibly depressing <laughs> for people who. <laughs> no, I, th I think I will still use it because it's. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it, it it is depressing, but it is important to have this in archive. In twenty twenty, that's how we celebrated Earth Day. You know, just maybe acknowledging yeah. things. So yes, one of the things I've been saying is that the Earth is having an Earth Day. You know, that the Earth itself is getting to have an Earth Day, meaning we have stopped, and you know, and now the rest of the creatures, the rest of nature is thriving momentarily. And that's a beautiful thing to see. I love it. And I know that a lot of people are stressed and dying and, and scared. I'm so sorry about that. That's terrible. But I also see the silver linings of, hmm. you know, I just read something this morning about how due to the lessening of this amount of pollution on Earth, a lot of people won't die. In other words, they're not breathing two, three months of pollution, uh, depending on how long this goes on. Um, it, that will save a lot of lives. The numbers so far are tracking that it might save more lives than the, than the virus kills. So, you know, it comes out a wash in a way. Um, it's terrible. I'm not saying we should just let the virus run rampant, but I'm just saying that our system is so out of control and toxic it's killing us in other ways you know and so yeah. um but yeah on the other hand let's let's get back to the sunshine and i think earth is still beautiful and there are a lot of beauty out there that we can enjoy and connect with and also we shouldn't lose our humor and as you said, Earth is taking its time and dressing its wounds. And today is Earth Day. And I really believe in this. Narratives and stories we tell is essential to not to go back to business as usual. This virus will be over, I don't know when. But meanwhile, a lot of people in academia and scholars and scientists working on various things and one of them is our narratives and this could lead us to sustainability transitions which could give us more time to spend on on earth i don't know if we're going to back business as usual but there is an effort and i'm sure these efforts will bear fruit in one way or another 
Yeah, there may be, like I said, there may be things, lessons we take from this time and that we can apply to our coming crises, which are all, you know, waiting for us, <laughs> just gathering, gathering force. And so, yes, we might have learned something about how quickly we have to pivot. But like I said, I think our pivoting to the next phase of crises, and I say that in plural, is a mitigation, possibly. It's not a solving. It's not a cure. It's going to be, if we can do this a little more smartly than we would have without COVID, we would try to put in place systems that allow a more fair distribution of resources, that is food primarily, mm -hmm. and some sort of understanding of how we're going to have to behave because there's going to be huge scarcities. But I don't really have a lot of hope about that part. I think that would be the smart play and that that would be something we could take from this crisis. But knowing human nature, I don't really see it. I think as scarcities come, people will take whatever they can, especially people who have children. They'll justify it. And that's what I imagine will happen. And hmm. like I said, we have to get ready psychologically. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I know that it's just going to go into a purely dystopian world right away. But I do think we're in for a very rough ride. This that we're in right now is a walk in the park comparatively. This is basically peaceful with the exception of those on the front lines and those who are sick or dying. Those, that's all very chaotic and, and sorrowful. But for most of the entire world, we're just in our houses. You know, we're just in, at home. And, you know, so this is not, this is not the crisis um, that I see coming. So, yes, I hope what we learn from this is how to let go, how to cooperate a bit, how to do without, mm. how to share. Mm. That would be great. Yeah. One of the most important issues in this, I think, nature's productivity is the source of the current economy and social reproduction, yet... There's no appreciation towards this. And I think it's taken for granted. And that's why we are here now. So because it's Earth Day, let's try something experimental. We all are already <laughs> having conversations in our daily life. But if we had a chance to have a confession session with the Earth, what would you like to tell? I would... I would say something like something like forgive us for we know we knew not what we did just like Jesus said that we we this is what evolution did we're a product we're an animal creature that was incredibly good with tools and figuring things out and manipulating nature to our, bending it to our will to a great degree. That is, we were very good at extracting resources. 
and and fashioning the world to make us more comfortable and have fun. And there was never, I would say, some evolutionary thrust to kill ourselves, right? We weren't deliberately on a suicide mission. We were just having a party. We just didn't know. We didn't know what the cost was. And each one of my friends, James Kunstler, his theory of history is with each, which at each thing we did, his thing was, well, it seemed a good idea at the time, right? Each of the, each of the so-called advancements, you know, seemed a good idea at the time. We didn't know the cost. We still don't. Most people still don't. So what I would say, if I could speak to, uh, to some amorphous representative of nature, <laughs> I, I would just say, we didn't know. We were just, we were just, we were just part of nature as well. And this is how we evolved. This is, this was our evolutionary result. It just happens to be, in my way of seeing, deadly for not just us, but for much of life on this beautiful earth. It's a dark view, and I, I can't, I can't uh, shiny it up. I, you know, I, I would like to be wrong about everything about this, but I haven't found any evidence yet that might indicate that I would be. Mm-hmm. I think in my stage of acceptance, <laughs> yes, I, w- I would say something like, I acknowledge you. You're important to me and you're a living being. There is so much to learn from you. Have to be resilient, creative and generous. You're damaged right now and I wish you healing. That's what I would say, probably. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yes. Yes, that's beautiful. It's very simple and true. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> It's been very lovely to have this chat. Uh, I, I know it's perhaps hard to let in, and you don't obviously have to let in any, any of it in. Yeah, no one has to take the all of it. It's, yeah, everyone has it in, like, in this different stage and phase. So. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This will only speak to some people and to those people it might be very comforting and to many people it might be very annoying or enraging even, but we'll see where it lands. I don't have any investment in it landing in any particular way. So, and I'm sure you don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine. Happy birthday and happy birthday too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Denise. so much for Love taking it. the time. It was a it was a nice conversation. Hmm. Mm. Yes, yes, it was. It was. <laughs> I felt very free to just you know, one of the things I'll just close with this. One of the things I've been feeling in this in this coronavirus crisis is I've I've been feeling the presence of death 
um, in my own case, because of my age and because now every trip to the grocery store has some risk with it, you know. Yeah. Um, and what that has done for me is it has really given me permission to not hold back, to really speak authentically and and not just in part, you know, like say something but then hold back the rest that I don't think someone is ready for. I'm realizing there's just no time for that. So I've been more <laughs> bold in my, <laughs> in my rants. <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly like take whatever serves you and leave the rest you know it's yeah that was our conversation with Catherine ingram we are all in different stages of acceptance and having our own journeys i'm more likely to be process oriented rather than the outcome in 2020 climate should be the number one political priority to able to become more resilient to the challenges ahead of us. We are entangled with living beings of all kinds. One of the realities is the desire within you. So today, take your time thinking about your creative capacity and ways to thank the earth. Even if you're listening to this later, remember, every day is an earth day. Today, do something to honor the earth. For this episode, I'd like to say special thanks to Dinaz Parekh for editing the script and Chris Shoshordas for his technical support. I'm Dinaz Happy Earth Day and stay tuned for the next episode.